Welcome back to this moment in sports episode 11. Uh, it's just uh, two of us today. It's me, your host, Ishan, and we've got Garrick back to the podcast after a, a brief hiatus. Um, and this week we're gonna we're gonna talk mostly about soccer, uh, football to to some people, uh, and. Uh, mostly the Premier League, but also some other stuff. You know, uh, general general happenings around the world. Almost all of the major uh, soccer leagues have restarted, and some have finished already. Uh, Germany, for instance, has already finished their uh, league. They only had a couple matches left to play, and they started uh, before everyone else. So Bayern Munich, uh, surprise, surprise, champions of Germany. Uh, Liverpool recently became champions of the Premier League for the first time, so uh, congrats to them. Uh, and so, I don't know. I I don't know what to talk about now, but <laughs> <laughs> let's see. I don't know. What else is there? Syria is still going on. Uh, Juventus are ahead, but uh, I doubt anyone's going to catch them. Seems uh, unlikely. Yeah, could happen, could happen, but probably not. Um, and yeah, so I, I think Premier League uh, has been interesting since the restart, mostly because it's been very weird. It has uh, been weird. And yeah, it, and, and also, uh, it's also been very bad <laughs> for for teams, but also for the the Premier League uh, in general, there's been some issues that have been uh, brought up by some of the games since the restart. Uh, so one thing I wanted to talk about, which I thought was just hilariously awful, was there were there were three Premier League games yesterday. Mm-hmm. And v- VAR in each uh, game made a decision about whether there should have been a penalty there should not have been a penalty and in in each of those games and in two games they gave a penalty and in one game they didn't give a penalty and all those decisions were wrong (laughs) the Premier League match center uh, said nope we got them all wrong the system does not work yeah and it's not really the system I don't think there's anything wrong with the system but I just don't understand how referees uh I understand how referees in like a match environment where you don't have like the perfect angle like you know your view may have been blocked you know you have time pressure to decide make a decision you know your eyes can also deceive you I can understand how you can get a decision wrong in in the moment and we've already talked about referees before so I won't go into like you know how hard it is because it's hard but when you have when you're just sitting in a room and you just have monitors in front of you and you're looking at a call i don't think you have any excuses you know so yeah. i don't know did did you see any of the calls i saw all of them and they were all terrible in my opinion um no i i didn't see them but i saw the statement that came out later and didn't didn't UEFA say something like they're going to review how VAR is being used in England? I think it was FIFA. FIFA said something. I think one of those, some, someone uh, that wasn't the English FA was like, yeah, you're, you're doing it wrong, basically. Yeah. And um, what's the difference between England and the other leagues? Well, I would say the primary difference is that uh, the VAR officials are basically they're in a room uh you know in miles away in stockley park i don't know where the hell that is but that's what they call the place um and most of the time when they're making a decision the referee on the field doesn't look at it they just trust the var ref that either they got the decision right or wrong they don't look at the monitor which they do have a monitor that they can look at and they did look at in an Arsenal game, I think Arsenal's most recent game against Leicester, mm-hmm. the referee looked at the monitor and after 10 seconds like decided he was going to give a red card after the VAR ref had already been looking at it for like minutes, Yeah, which just shows you 
how ridiculous this is because uh, in most cases the VAR uh, official or, or the, the VAR official is reviewing something that the referee has already made a decision on. Most of the time it isn't something that the referee didn't see. It's just something the referee saw and made a decision on one way or the other. Right. So why wouldn't the referee then be able to go look at it and see that's why I gave it and I see that there so I'm keeping my decision the same or I didn't see this angle and I didn't see what happened like at that time and so I'm reversing it and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I feel like every other league has the officials go to the monitor themselves and i think they should i don't i don't see why not like the official on the field should be the one that is the arbiter in almost all cases unless it's like an offside decision that's obvious or you know something mm-hmm. like that but you know if there's a controversial decision why isn't the the referee that's supposed to be the referee for the match why isn't he looking at it it doesn't make any sense okay so fifa wants the refs in england to be the ones to jog over to the monitor and take a look at the actual incident I'm Basically. not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure about that, uh, what FIFA wants. But okay. I, I think FIFA's just like, whatever you're doing, it's not working. Yeah. Um, and it's not. Because if you have to go back and say the VAR referee made the wrong call, when the VAR referee has, their only job is to look at the review and make the right call. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how, how that can keep continuing to happen and it's happened many many times now where the varf has seemingly made horrible decisions you know it's 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 just ridiculous i wonder if i wonder if refs are ranked in general in in england in soccer i don't think they're ranked but they do they are uh so i've listened to a couple podcasts about that have like referees that come on uh if you've ever i don't think you've ever listened to that peter crouch podcast but i really like listening to it and he had uh, mike dean come on at one point and then another ref i don't remember who off the top of my head but two refs came on uh and they're just talking about what they do like you know pre-game post-game and it's uh like they they have to review their games afterwards mm-hmm. and like you know they they review it with other people and it's like uh this 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 call you messed up this call you didn't you know okay. that kind of thing um i think the biggest issue is that there's just no transparency yeah with like i mean after the game there's some transparency i guess with the Premier League match center saying oh you got it wrong they didn't get it wrong you know but I think something I think we talked about this in our previous episode talking about the refs but the referee the VAR referee is making a call uh what their justification should be coming with that call you know like that comes in in cricket that that comes into to play with the basically the referees are mic'd up and when they're reviewing something everything they're saying can be heard by everyone in the stadium That's you know interesting. and that should be the case i don't i don't see why not because at that point then you're just all sitting there in silence while these people are deciding like the you know in some cases the outcome of the match and you right. have no idea what the hell's happening yeah which is dumb it's awful that's intense and <laughs> be a step up for refs to like address the entire stadium yeah i mean the nfl does that too the mm-hmm. like the nfl has been doing that for years we talked about the nfl having video review yeah and for years and years and years as long as i have watched football the referee when they make a call they 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 have a mic and they tell every you can everyone in the stadium can hear over the loudspeaker the referee making the call mm-hmm. like holding number 24 you know and if there's a, a review, there's a replay review going on. The referee will, after the review, say uh, what the new call is, if it's changed or if it isn't changed, and the justification for it, you know? They'll say, oh, uh, this, you know, like, after replay review, number 24 did not fumble the ball because his knee was down before the ball came loose. That is how you should do it. And, you know, I... Like, I feel like that should be obvious at this point, especially when you have examples in other sports that are doing it right, you know? Yeah. Even if you don't get the call right, 
you know, at least something, like some justification for why you made a bad call, you know? Right. We'll see if anything changes over the summer, I guess. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to make this about, uh, this, this episode about officials. I just thought it was funny that like three big VAR decisions, uh, all wrong on the same day from three separate matches. It's just, it's uh, it boggles the mind sometimes. Right. I do want to show you the Bruno Fernandez one because I think it's the most hilariously wrong one. I'll, I'll show you it right now. Let me see if I can get a link. Oh, actually, hmm, let me see if I can find all of them. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. <laughs> oh, something else that I found interesting. Um, Manchester United uh, have received, in the past two seasons, have received 25, penalty, uh, 25 penalties. The next, uh, the next most... There's a couple teams that have received 14, and that's it. Uh, pretty insane. And I'm not yeah. saying that Manchester United have all their penalties are like their league is fixed or whatever, but it's just uh, funny <laughs> because I feel like there's a lot of teams that get the wrong end of the the VAR or the the penalty kind of roulette yeah. of what is and what isn't a penalty. I saw that on Reddit, and someone was saying that like a fifth of their goals over the last two years came from penalties, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's not exactly that. That would be I I looked at that too. It's a, it's if they converted, it, they said it was like twenty percent. If they converted them, the mm -hmm. actual percentage is fifteen percent, which is still really high. Yeah, uh, but one in five hypothetically is still pretty insane right right i watched a video of the fernandez incident it looks like it's uh it looks like he fouls the defender if anything yeah yeah it's pretty pretty bad that's crazy um, that they reviewed that and still gave a penalty yeah that it's just it's not even anywhere close to a penalty did you see the the Southampton one was terrible as well. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Um, let me see. Man. I hate how they, they're just like, this BBC article just has pictures. There's no video. This, I want the video. Give me the video. All right, this is, this is interesting. So the FIFA referees cheap. Uh, let's see what his name is. Uh, the FIFA referees chief Pierre Luigi Colina uh, says mm -hmm. VAR officials must be wary of wrong kind of solidarity with referees. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's pretty accurate. You know, because like, you look at these decisions and none of them are overturned calls. They're all just backing the official on the pitch. If the yeah. official said no penalty, they're gonna say no penalty. Like it has to be a monumentally horrendous decision and sometimes even if it is horrendously wrong they're just like yep no referee was right you know it doesn't make any sense right like there's there and there's no oversight too there's no like you know oh uh like what who's like you can't even if like you say the VAR forgot it wrong you can't go back in time and give a penalty or take a penalty away you know mm -hmm. so like there should be I don't know. There should be some kind of way to make sure that the VAR refs are, uh, you know, following the rules of the sport, you know, instead of following their own made up rules. Cause that seems like what's going on. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to call it corruption. Cause you know, how, how can you say anything is corrupt without evidence, but it reeks of, horrible oversight and lack of proper decision making yeah maybe they just need more training i don't even think that's it though because what how, how much training do you need to look at a monitor if you're a referee like a professionally trained these are all premier league referees that go out every like match day and are refereeing like the biggest games in person mm -hmm. how much more training do you need to look at a monitor and make the call that's going to be way easier to make than anything that you're ever going to call in the field you know I think really it, it's something there's something going on with you know officials kind of 
like having like having each other's backs instead of like backing the rules of the game itself you know i'd argue that it is a significant difference from refing a game and seeing things in real time and making decisions in real time than to go and watch things in slow motion on video i agree it's it's very different but i'd say it's way easier to to be able to look i i think i think if you ask officials i think they'd rather be able to just have like see everything from the best angle every time mm-hmm. which basically you can do with var yeah we'll see <laughs> yeah um let me see i i don't know if i can find that uh southampton one no one really cares about southampton so <laughs> yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be kind of buried let me see oh yeah i found that article so fifa is to take control of var and ensure it's used the same across all competitions to end premier league's variation so nice nice and see what exactly they're saying here so the end is on the independent uh so same same the referee is cheap cheap uh referees chief for fifa pierre luigi colina mm-hmm. uh is basically saying um what's he saying oh i get a Mourinho press conference right now <laughs> it's popped up uh so he says what is he saying <laughs> uh Okay, so a uh, responsibility of FIFA is to have the laws of the game implemented all over the world in the same way, and there cannot be a different implementation of the laws of the game in different continents or countries. Our responsibility is to ensure that football is played in the same way all over the world. So, yeah, like for international sense. competitions, he's saying, like, can you imagine an international competition played by teams who are used to having different interpretations of the laws of the game in their domestic competition? Yeah. Uh, saying that VAR should be used in the same way all over the world is something obvious. So. Oh, we'll see what changes they're able to make. Okay. Okay. So here's some differences. Apparently, the Premier League has not used VAR to check for encroachment off the line by goalkeepers doing during penalty kicks, mm-hmm. despite that element being part of the protocol. Uh, yeah. I don't really. I don't have any complaints about that. I don't really care about that rule in particular. So that's not it doesn't really bother me. But uh, hey, it seems like there are some things. Rules are it's rules. It's a rule. <laughs> I just don't care though. <laughs> I really don't. I, you know, but that's a different discussion for a different time. But, uh, yeah, we don't need to make this a whole episode about referees. We can move on. But point is, uh, weird stuff happening in the Premier League. Uh, English FA uh, seem pretty incompetent uh, throughout this uh, entire process. Also, another thing somewhat having to do with referees and VAR, uh, Gwendozi, uh choking someone like uh with his with his hand and not getting punished that was pretty bizarre uh i didn't really understand that one but i don't know if you saw that video i i did yeah so yeah just another example inconsistency inconsistency lack of oversight uh seemingly obvious uh you know breaking of the laws of the game not being punished or sometimes they are for phantom calls, foul calls. Inconsistency. Yeah, the FA hasn't been competent in the best of times, <laughs> I would say. I uh, yeah, I don't know if they've ever been competent. I, not not in my memory. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's they'll have to figure it out because uh, people are paying attention now. They're noticing. Right. So are you ready to? to go into your topic sure um so it is a tight race for fourth in the premier league liverpool's won it but um there are a number of teams still competing for champions league places and europa league places and uh, i think one of the surprises for many people was just how good manchester united was after the restart um which is in part because of their January signing, Bruno Fernandes. Um, he's kind of been like, a lot of people have 
called him the missing piece to the Manchester United puzzle. Have you seen him play? Uh, yeah, well, I watched him in his first game back after the restart for uh, Tottenham, against Tottenham, I should say. Uh, I wish it was for Tottenham. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Manchester United were particularly good in that game, so I'll, I, I won't... I won't hold Bruno Fernandes responsible for that. I think that's just kind of what happens if you take a months-long break uh, and then have to play another game. But I've seen some highlights. I haven't really seen him play full games, though, since that first game, which admittedly both teams weren't that amazing attacking-wise. Yeah, he's he's been good. It's it's kind of been working out with for United because they finally figured out a good front three for them to stick with, with uh, Rashford, um, Martial, and Greenwood as a front three. And then Bruno and Paul Pogba played together really well, which I don't know why that was surprising to some people, but um, they tend to complement each other. Bruno, since he came over in 10 games, has seven goals and six assists. It's very impressive. Yeah. He's been playing well. So my topic inspired by Bruno Fernandes um, pushing United for fourth place is um, what are the best January transfer window signings um, that have occurred in recent memory? Mm-hmm. And the one I'll talk about... And this, yeah. Oh, quick question. Is, is this January signings uh, for every league or just the Premier League? Every league. Okay, okay. But... We'll probably mostly focus on Premier League. (laughs) Um, So Bruno is certainly one of them for this season, but um, one from recent memory that was particularly important was Jermaine Defoe in 2015. Do you remember Defoe at Tottenham? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. I I, I like them a lot. Yeah, he's a short, quick forward. Um, He was good with both feet and heading the ball which was surprising because he's like five foot seven um really yeah he's I a didn't short know he dude was that short. <laughs> but yeah he he left tottenham for toronto um which i think his former tottenham teammate was manager over there and i guess like drake gave him a phone call personally and convinced <laughs> him to go <laughs> on Sounds about trivia right. that i came across yeah but um kind of midway through his toronto stint his buddy got fired as manager um, and it kind of seemed like he was a little unsettled so in 2015 in January he made a return to the Premier League in a swap deal with Sunderland who swapped over Jose Altidore who had managed one goal in about 40 appearances for Sunderland mm-hmm. it didn't really work out for him that move <laughs> um, but Defoe going the other way really did work out um, Sunderland were struggling that season, and um, Defoe came up with four really important goals in the latter half that saved them from relegation. And then in the couple seasons after that, he scored 15 goals per season and was Sunderland's player of the season the, the next year. So he was really important for them um, as a team that basically perpetually struggled against relegation and were pretty woeful. Um, he was mm-hmm. a, he was a very important signing. Another winter transfer that kind of had a Bruno Fernandes like effect is uh, Kevin De Bruyne transferring from Chelsea to Wolfsburg in twenty thirteen. Well, twenty fourteen, January twenty fourteen. He at that time had had one good season in Germany on loan before at Werder Bremen and was obviously a talented kid from his time in Belgium, but he never really got a chance at Chelsea. Sounds about right. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Jose Mourinho. But Wolfsburg bought him when he was 22 for 22 million euros. And um, in his first half season at the club, he got three goals and six assists and inspired Wolfsburg to finish fifth, which was strong for them. And then the next season, he kind of really went off and people started recognizing him as one of the best midfielders in the world. He scored 10 goals and got 19 assists, which was at that time a Bundesliga assist record. And 
Wolfsburg finished second behind Bayern and won the Pokal final, the like, German FA Cup. And he was voted uh, the 2015 Footballer of the Year in Germany. Wow. Yeah, he had, he had a killer season. And that was, um, that was his last season with Wolfsburg. That summer, Man City bought him for $75 million. So it was, <laughs> it was a good investment on Wolfsburg's part. And yes. I think it counts as like one of the most impactful summer signings. Yeah, I think they might have undersold uh, De Bruyne. I think for they, 75, they probably should have gotten more. <laughs> absolutely. And um, they didn't really use the money they received for him wisely. I think they spent most of it on uh, Draxler, who has... <laughs> he's a good player, but he's never really had the output of KDB. Yeah, I mean, who has, really? Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know if you know this, but uh, off the top of your head, but did Muller, did he end up breaking De Bruyne's assist record this season? He did. Because I know he was about to. He did. He finished right, on 21 right. assists, I think. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Very, very good bounce-back season for him. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think he owes a lot to Robert Lewandowski finishing like every chance that Muller set up for him. True, true. That's that's fair enough there. Also, uh, Serge Gnabry and uh, everyone else at Bayern Munich, that's what, they've been very good. So Bayern's having a really good season, and I think that puts them as favorites for the Champions League, which will be starting soon again in August. Yeah. Because um, I think they're the best team, probably. Yeah. But on on paper, they're know. the best team. Yeah. Um, and plus, they just won their league. They've been playing games, so the team's been playing together, but now they get a chance to rest um, before mm-hmm. the first game back, which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. It might throw them off a little bit, or it might mean that they're not quite as exhausted as the Premier League teams that are playing like a game every three days. Yeah, and uh, even the La Liga teams as well, yeah. Real and uh, Atletico and Barcelona, they're yeah it's kind of been a, a brutal month for them yeah they're they're gonna be i think they're actually gonna be in the better spots out of all the teams um because they'll have games that they've played but for the most part they aren't gonna be like i don't know i don't know like i i, I just see them as big teams that are playing games so they'll be match fit and they'll have used a lot of their players rotationally so they'll have a a good idea of what their depth is like i don't think uh for instance psg not having played at all since march i think they're gonna have problems yeah. leon as well defending their lead against juventus they're gonna have problems that'll be interesting uh, to see yeah and Juventus has not looked amazing in their games. I think Real probably this whole period of time has benefited them the most because they've looked very good. Definitely. And the pressure's kind of off of them if they can win like one or two more games. I think it's over for them. So in And then league, they just have yeah. to worry about Champions League. Yeah, they're down against Man City, which will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still, uh, I I don't... I wouldn't count them out of it, like, at, at all. I'd still say even down, I think it's a 50-50 chance. I think they've just been far better than uh, Manchester yeah. City. And I just, I also don't trust Manchester City in the Champions League. I mean, it's kind of right. like an old trope at this point. But uh, every time they've shown the ability to advance past the quarterfinals or the semifinals, they just can't do it. Right. So, and with Aguero out, that'll be it kind of a big loss that's true that's true i didn't even think about that yeah um, they do have laporte so. back so that's um that'll help them but who yeah. does he, who does mean, he even partner with <laughs> it's fernandinho <laughs> yeah uh yeah i mean it's gonna be i think just <laughs> as we've discussed it's gonna be chaos like you know, no one knows how it's going to play out any of these uh, matches. I think we know that Bayern's going to beat Chelsea. Sorry, Gary. It, but, it is uh, likely. Uh, I have a three-goal I deficit. I think outside of that, yeah. 
outside of that i don't think any you can't you can't say that anything is set in stone for any of these teams mm-hmm. and going into the second leg or going into the corner finals so yeah yeah we'll see we'll see we'll see did you have more on your list of uh oh winter transfers? yeah i have um <laughs> just just one more a player that i like okay uh clint dempsey in um 2007 Fulham bought the American when he was 24 from uh, the New England Revolution for two million, uh, making wow. him like the third American at their club uh, after Brian McBride and Carlos Bocanegra. Really, I didn't know that. I didn't know they had yeah. two other Americans. Yeah, they kind of had a thing for Americans at that time, <laughs> um, and they were kind of struggling in the season that they brought him in, and he wasn't a guaranteed starter. But he did have an impact that season because um, he scored in a must-win game against Liverpool uh, to save Fulham from relegation, basically. They won 1-0. And then mm-hmm. um, he went on to have a really distinguished career with Fulham. He was uh, their top goal scorer, I think, like every season after that, at least the next couple seasons. In um, 2008, they finished in seventh place, which was their highest ever finish and qualified for the Europa League. Wow. And then um, the following season, they beat Juventus in the Europa League to make it to the final. And Clint Dempsey scored a chip um, from like 30 yards out that you've probably seen a highlight of. But they ultimately, they lost the final to um, Diego Forlan's Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. But it was just crazy that Fulham... Um, made it even that far with Clint yeah, Dempsey to a European final yeah incredible yeah. and then his last season with them was 2011-2012 where he was their top goal scorer again and he was voted fourth in the Football Writers Association player of the season for the Premier League um, wow yeah which was uh, pretty impressive for him that he was um, yeah. being considered with um, all those other players. I think he was behind like Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes, uh, can't remember the other two. But Probably Aguero, maybe? I mean, maybe. after. Yeah, that would be the year. Manchester City, the title, yeah. 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 And then he moved to Tottenham. Yeah, he did. I remember that. And then uh, he, he was okay at Tottenham. <laughs> He was okay. Yeah, he definitely had his best years at Fulham. He yeah. was um he's always a fun player to watch cuz he you never knew what he was going to do kind of he was tenacious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh fun story. I've actually watched Clint Dempsey play live. Oh, and nice. I, yeah, when the Copa America was in the US, I saw him play and he almost scored a free kick that Ospina saved. Uh it was I thought it was in. It was a very cool free kick. So, fun story about Clint Dempsey. <laughs> He's a good free kick taker. Yeah. And I saw the free kick. I was at, like, the opposite side of the stadium. So I saw, like, the behind angle. Oh, cool. And it just, like, curled perfectly into the top corner. But Ospina saved it uh-huh. anyways. So. Uh, yeah, he yeah. was a good player. I think um, behind Pulisic, I think he's possibly the best American ever in Europe. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens I mean, with Pulisic's career. But... Yeah, what's the competition, though, besides Pulisic? Yeah. Uh, nobody recent. <laughs> <laughs> there is that one dude, Alexi Lalas, right? He went to Roma or something. I, I, that was before my time, so I don't really know. But he's like a commentator now. Yeah, so really and there was um, Michael Bradley was also at Roma as like a defensive Was he at man. Roma? Yeah. What? Michael Bra- The Michael Bradley? Yeah, the bald dude. How? <laughs> I'm I'm confirming this. Oh, he's only thirty two. Wow. What? I thought he was like forty five, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um no, he was at so he was at Herenveen in the Netherlands, transferred to Borussia Mönchengladbach and was a starter. Um and then he spent a season at Kievo and then went to Roma for two years. Before going to Toronto, when? 2012 to 2014. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. 
I had no idea. Yeah, I um think he was more of a squad player than anything else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, put him right behind Tati. Championships <laughs> are inevitable, but yeah, I I'm surprised you didn't mention in your list of players Virgil Van Dyke because I feel like he's like the kind of token. Yeah. You know. So January signing. Liverpool are kind of the kings of the January signing. Because, uh, yeah, they got Virgil van Dijk um, and Luis Suarez and Coutinho, I believe, during January transfer windows. Really? Coutinho? Yeah, let me fact I, check that. They got Daniel Sturridge, too, as well, yeah. from Chelsea. Yeah. Which uh, was very good for Liverpool for a while. So, so yeah, they got Luis Suarez from Ajax. They did uh, buy January twenty eleven. They did buy Coutinho during the January transfer window in twenty thirteen for eight million. Wow, that's that's big. They got Sturridge that same window for twelve million. So, that's yeah, a, that was a good good January for Liverpool. Yeah, um, those January windows tend to work out for them more often than not. <laughs> but um, yeah, they tend not to work out for Chelsea. <laughs> no, no, but, not uh, really typical for a Chelsea season is like a panic buy uh, some sort of aging center forward during the January transfer <laughs> window whether it be like Fernando Torres yeah <laughs> that's that's the probably the biggest one in recent memory you did buy Nemanja Matic uh, yeah. for from Benfica back from Benfica that one worked out for us yeah he's pretty instrumental um, yeah, I mean, most teams don't make big buys in uh, January unless things are going really wrong or there's like a deal that's too good to pass up. Yeah. Sometimes both. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, it can be an entertaining window. Yeah, yeah. You, I think that's the window you have to be the smartest in because yeah. uh, they have much less room for error right. mid-season. Let me see. There is a couple this season besides Bruno Fernandes that I forgot about like I forgot they were sold because it feels like years ago <laughs> uh, Haaland moved from uh, RB Salzburg to Dortmund yeah and he's had a pretty killer season half season over yeah. there at Dortmund yeah almost got them past uh, PSG and uh, Christian Eriksen went to Inter Milan yeah. from Tottenham and Tottenham brought in uh, uh, what's his face Steven Bergwijn it's been very good I like him he's a very good player Uh, and the one that's like this is like the most head scratching player I feel like in recent memory maybe besides Paulinho uh, Yannick Carrasco came back to Atletico in January oh yeah he did he did yeah and he left to China like in his prime (laughs) Or, yeah. like, before his prime. He's, like, 24 or something. Yeah, he's been a good squad player for for them. I keep thinking he's older than he actually is. Yeah, he was really young when he left Atletico to go to China. And, he's you know, I, he... I, 26. Yeah. yeah, so two <laughs> years after he left, he came back. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he made bank in China, but it just seems... It, just, it was, like, weird timing, because, like, Atletico were... Every year they're a Champions League contender, and then he just mm. left. And he's only uh, he's only there on loan. Is he really? Yeah. It's not a permanent signing. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So now that we've discussed the Premier League and some midsummer signings, uh. You know, fuck it. Let's make some predictions. What do you, What do you think's gonna? So you think that Bayern Munich's gonna win the uh, Champions League? I do. Let me take a look at the draw. Um... Yeah, the draw is really interesting because half of the draw is uh, teams that have not ever won a Champions League. So. Right, right, and they're all on the one same of those teams side of the get a bracket, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So one of them's gonna get a chance in the final, which is pretty cool. I always like it when teams right. that don't typically make the final or win the final make the final so Bayern's gonna beat Chelsea yeah <laughs> guaranteed uh, I, I 100% as much as it pains me to say it and then um, they play one of Barcelona or Napoli 
and they have to be strong favorites against either of those teams, honestly. Barcelona's been Absolutely. so shaky. Unless they figure <laughs> out something major in the next couple of games, you have to yeah. say advantage to Bayern. Um, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't watched too many Napoli games, but um, Gattuso's the manager, right? Yes. Yeah, he seems to have um, put together order in the squad, but they're not... Yeah. Um, on the same level as Bayern, I would say. Yeah. No. If this was, like, Sarri's Napoli of, like, 2015-2016, or 2016-2017, mm-hmm. like, Then it might maybe. be close. But, yeah, this Napoli's but, punching above their weight, definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, I think Gattuso's been very well... Uh, he's he's done very well yeah i think i think he was underrated at uh ac milan i thought uh the people that were shitting on him should have been shitting on ac milan because they've been an awfully run club yeah i thought gattuso did as well as anyone could have done yeah in that situation so i like him so he's, I, he's a good i manager. think he's good yeah he's organized i'm still looking at the draw the most interesting game i think will be in the semifinals. um between whoever comes out of Real Madrid, Man City, or Leon and Juventus. Yeah. So that's the that's gonna be the quarterfinal is Leon Juventus versus uh Napoli I mean not Napoli, uh City mm-hmm. and Real Yeah. Okay. City City Madrid will be a great game. Yeah. C- um Madrid are down. And City have been, um, they've had some questionable form. They're not exactly out of form, because Jesus has been good as a replacement Mm -hmm. for Aguero, but they've been shaky occasionally. Um, And they've been traditionally shaky in the Champions League, whereas (laughs) Real Madrid have been kind of the opposite. Yeah, Um, they win the games that they need to win, and City don't. (laughs) Yeah, I think Madrid may be slight favorites in that game. Yeah. We'll see. I I would say there are. It's very I close think, to fifty fifty in my opinion. Yeah, I just think Zidane. I I I don't know how you can call a Zidane team not the favorite in the Champions League. Yeah, um, that's his specialty. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then Leon Juventus. I feel like you have to favor Juventus, mm-hmm. just because Leon yeah. has not been playing regular football, and. Um, Juventus, they've kind of been similar to City. They've been a little shaky, but they've still been pretty good. Dybala has been... Dybala has been really good as that uh, kind of false nine position. Yeah. He's finally sort of getting a shot there. Um, and he's been impressive. However, the thing is that uh, Leon are up 1-0 on aggregate. So uh, they have the advantage and they could just sit back for... That's true. That's true. But you never count out a team with Ronaldo on it, especially in the Champions League. Oh, yeah. I mean, Juventus are the favorites. I'm just saying they, they yeah. are in a tough position. Yeah. Their backs are against a the A tougher wall. position. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they'll probably advance, <laughs> if we're being <laughs> honest. It'll be interesting to see how Leipzig does against Atletico. They're... Ah, they could do well. Yeah, yeah they really good. could. They're good. Timo Werner's they're had good. a killer season. I think Atletico's better. But he's not there anymore, is he? Will he be there in August for Champions League? Is he, though? I thought he was done. Hmm. I thought he was out. I don't know how anything works. I'm Googling it. Oh, yeah. He, will, he won't play in the Champions League. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I still think they're good. They have a lot of good players. I just think Atletico are better. That means... Um, yeah, he'd be cup-tied, so he wouldn't play for Chelsea. No, I don't believe so. Yeah, interesting. And if he did, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> I think you're yeah. still... You're, it's not going to happen, Garrick. I'm sorry. Uh, it'd be crazy oh. if it did, though. That'd be nuts. 28 goals. Um, if you had Drogba, I'd give you a chance. So, I, um, I don't think Leipzig will get past Atletico. Atletico has been shaky. Yes. They um, are suffering from not having a good center forward, in my opinion. Yes. I they have they have a lot of issues, I think. Um I think their wide players are also they've struggled. Uh, yeah. like 
Thomas Lamar has not been as good as like yeah they just a lot been. of usually players who are quality being very mediocre yeah their defense is always good though their so. defense is always good and that's what they'll I count think, on yeah I think in the Champions League especially they they rely basically on the fact that it's so difficult to score against them yeah I think I think Ronaldo is the only person that can consistently yeah. <laughs> score goals against Atletica. <laughs> and how about for Paris versus Atlanta? Um, that's a tough one too. Yeah. I think Atlanta uh, Atlanta has been like pretty decent from what I've heard in uh, Syria. Like yeah. Since the restart, they They've might even good. finish second uh, to Juventus. Right. Right. But that's tough because PSG are by far the better team on paper um but they have lots of disadvantages in the fact that they haven't played competitive games for months yeah and they also typically fold uh in a very city city like manner in the important champions league games as is tradition yeah so i i'm not like a you know big like oh because their their history of failure or whatever i'm not that kind of like guy watching sports because i mean that's just not how things work you know right if it worked like that then tottenham wouldn't have made the champions league final last year yeah Uh, so it's it's just play it by you have to kind of play it by ear every every single game like when it comes to predicting who's gonna win because you can't just say because they've lost in all these matches Atalanta are, um, I'm looking at their record, and Atalanta are undefeated in their last 13 games. (laughs) Yeah, that's why it's so tough to call, because if this were a regular, regular old, you know, uh, you know, Champions League, like, with no coronavirus impact, Mm -hmm. I would have said PSG are the favorites, but it's Mm -hmm. tight, and now I think Atalanta are the favorites, but it's still tight because the talent advantage still goes to Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah. Is Neymar a fit? I feel like he's got to be, right? It's, it's been a month. <laughs> he has like, to Like, there's be. no real... There's, there's no, no reason not to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, so he'll be but there. will they be a match fit is the question. And it's not like they have a couple games to get in the flow. They have two games that they right. have to perform well in both. Right. So... Or at least one. They have to at least perform well in one game yeah. if they want to win. It'll be fun to watch in any case. I'm looking forward to it yeah. in August. I think that is the biggest wild card game. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than City-Real. Because I think we both said that even though City are up on goal difference, it's I think Real. that. Yeah, it's, Real just, it's just such an unknown advantage. how PSG will play. Yeah, and how Atalanta will play in mm-hmm. like against. Because I don't think they've played a team as good as PSG yet yeah champions league so they've done well they've done very well for the you know to get this far but this is their biggest test and it's a huge question mark because they can't even like look at you know psg's games Mm -hmm. in recent times like so psg kind of they're at a disadvantage because they haven't played games but they're also at somewhat of a advantage in that they're tactics could be a complete surprise could come out with a whole new system yeah and thomas tuchel is thomas tuchel i think he's a good coach so he's a good coach uh, you know we can i that's a wild card it's wild card yeah but i think i think Bayern munich are the best team left not just like on paper but in terms of their form and their performance and their players right now they're they've been the best definitely I think Atletico's going to win, though. I think this year is the year for them. Interesting. I think it's all it's all lining up. Okay. I think, because you look at their side of the bracket, they will play uh, Leipzig, who I think is probably the worst team left out of the teams. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could say Lyon, but Lyon also, they played well uh, in the Champions League. Uh, and Leipzig did, but they just lost their best player, so... Right. Uh, you know... Uh, and then they'll play either PSG or Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, one of those two in the semifinal. If yeah, they I think they're getting Leipzig. to the final for sure. Yeah, I think they just have, it's the best, it's the easiest path they've ever had to the yeah. final. Yeah. And I think they're just, 
they're just good. They're good in knockouts. Like, it's hard to knock them out, you know? They'll be relying on their defense. They will. They'll be li- relying on Marcos Llorente to, <laughs> to right. become their, their, their striker again. But I, I like him, and I like Diego Simeone. I think they just, I think it's just lined up perfectly. I thought they would win before uh, coronavirus shut everything down. And I still think they're gonna win now. So, guess we'll guess we'll see come August. Yeah, yeah. And uh, slightly less of a interesting scenario, but who do you think is gonna get uh, those uh, Champions League spots in uh, Premier League? Oh, um, let's see. I mean, I hope Chelsea will hang on. We're in third right now. I, I know. I know. Um, you, I so think they will. will. Be intense. I think they will. The city will be there. They're not going to mess that up. I think. Um, well, city may not have uh, Champions League to play for if their ban is upheld. Oh, that's true. So, if the ban is upheld, does it drop down to fifth? Yes. So let's just say how about this? Who do you think is going to finish top five? Because yeah. then you know. We don't have to worry about what do you think about City's ban. We're not. Yeah, there, so. I think United finishes top five. Their form has been too good for um, the next four games. They should be fine. Um, yep. I'm concerned about Leicester because they've been dropping points. Um, Left and right. Yep. So whether they can hang on or whether Wolves uh, can do something special. Sheffield, I think, will stay around where they are at seventh. I think Wolves might have a shot to push up more in the table. Um, I'm I'm interested in how Arsenal will do because they've been um, now that they've settled into a back three, um, they've been quite decent in yeah. the last games they that I've seen. To play, they did draw to Leicester. Uh, in fairness, uh, also in fairness, they conceded when they were down to ten men. So, you know. You never know with Tough Arsenal what you're going to get. Yeah. And they also have the North London Derby to play, which as much of a uh, shit time it is to be uh, like to be Tottenham right now, you always, they always have a chance in the North London Derby, you know, in modern True. times. And the Harry Kane era, they are, uh, they're, they're guaranteed, I think Harry Kane's guaranteed to score. He, he always finds a way to score against Arsenal. <laughs> So yeah, uh, but I think currently. So so, what do you think? What, you think it's current top five is gonna stay top five? Because that's what I think. I think even though Leicester is dropping points left and right, I think Wolves can make up six plus points in four games. I don't think Sheffield United can either. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's pretty settled. Yeah, I think it because it, right now it's a uh, United are in fifth and they're six points above. Uh, Wolves, mm-hmm. I think it's over. Yeah. I think really sixth is what people, well, the remaining teams will have to fight for. And that's open. Sixth is very much open. It is, um, it is. Yeah, so... I I do think my surprise prediction is Tottenham gets to play uh, Europa. I think they'll finish sixth or seventh. Um, Hopefully. <laughs> why? Why do I believe that? No reason, just uh, <laughs> just cause, just cause I think that's something that would happen, you know. Is you know they'd play like shit and then still end up in Europa, which is fine, you know. It's not the end of the world. Honestly, I I don't think it. If they get Europa, it's better than if they didn't. But if they don't get Europa, then it's not the worst either. Yeah, I mean, cause there was that period of time. I mean, I'm not saying Tottenham are going to light the world on fire next year, but from 2015 to 2017, the team that won the Premier League didn't play in Europe the year they won it, you know, so. That's true. It gives you kind of an advantage in resting your players. Yeah. Do you have any other things you want to talk about? I think we've uh, covered pretty much everything, you know, shitty FA and shitty refs in the Premier League. Uh... And midsummer signings that were really, or mid uh, mid season signings that were really good. Um, predictions for Champions League, Premier League. I don't know. Is there is there anything else? Oh, 
one more thing i i've been meaning so i've been meaning to ask you about this for like a while now on the podcast i just always forget about it so there was a some point in time in like march uh that we were both playing the the sports video game football manager and uh my experience was very uh interesting but i really want to know what your experience was as a football manager a virtual football manager i um i don't know <laughs> i didn't <laughs> i didn't play it for that long to be honest uh i got like uh, the who, free who did you manage who did i manage that's a good question newcastle i think I wanted to pick, okay. like, kind of a shitty team, but still a team that's in the <laughs> Premier League. Um, yeah. And so I settled on Newcastle for for no particular reason. I like their name. <laughs> it's, a, it's also a beer that I like. Um, it was a lot of information, I remember, from, like, the brief time that I looked at it. I don't think I managed a game, either. I just kind of clicked through everything. Um... <laughs> Really? Yeah. I um probably to be honest should give it another shot to figure things out a bit more. Yeah. Um but I was just play a game. I should play a game. I was just annoyed with how much uh minutia there was. Yeah. There that is true cuz you played the full version. Uh, and I think you'd probably have more fun with like the there's like a version called Football Manager Touch, which is basically just like like tactics, and you play the games and it's very quick and it's much faster and there's less of like the talking to your assistant manager and setting up the training schedule and all that. Yeah. Kind of shit. Is that an app so, or is that on Steam as well? You can get it on Steam, and it's also an app. I think you can get it on your iPhone if you want it. <laughs> Ooh, uh, might do that. Yeah, I, I got it for Switch, and that's what I was playing it on. And uh, I I just, I managed Tottenham. I was just trying to manage Tottenham. Uh, previously, I had uh, adventures as a manager in South Africa in the second division. <laughs> Uh, I was very successful there, so I thought I could bring that uh, to Tottenham, and uh, I could not. I got sacked twice. Like, I got sacked, nice. and then I restarted and tried it again and got sacked again, which was uh, really, really sad. And, you know, the first time, I think I definitely deserved to get sacked. Uh, we were pretty bad. <laughs> um, but the second time, I beat PSG 4-0 in the Champions League. To, to qualify for the knockouts and we were in fifth when I got sacked which I think mm. if 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 I were Tottenham manager this year and we beat PSG 4 nothing, and we were in fifth right now I think I'd be getting a raise so yeah you know uh, maybe you <laughs> said something to the press you can't in that oh version. you can't they okay just, yeah you can't talk to and, and maybe you can like like very minimally but it's just pretty much like you do the tactics and gotcha. whatever. I, they didn't like my results, but you know I was like one point off of fourth. I you know. I skipped a press conference in in my adventure, and um, <laughs> then I just got an email. The press hates you now, or something like that. <laughs> like all your coverage will be negative. That sounds about right. That's funny. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, we we should uh we should delve back into it again at some point. I'm gonna uh, try this manager. football manager touch. Yeah. Potentially as an app, we'll see. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a it's a quick little way to just play the games and not have to deal with the boring stuff. Yeah, that's but, that's what I'm there for. Yeah. Can you still like scout players and stuff? I think so. I haven't okay. tried. Okay. Um not sure about scouting because you know I'll I, when I was it. in when I was in South Africa I didn't really have a budget to to play right with. right I just kind of was had, here's the team do something yeah and that's kind of that at Tottenham too so <laughs> uh, as in South Africa huh 
as as with um, the other place that you were. Did you say South Africa? Yeah, South Africa. Yeah, it was fun. I won the league or the second division league. Nice. And on the final match day as well, it was very very exciting. Um, Intense stuff. Yeah, with Tottenham it wasn't as exciting. <laughs> but uh, well, I just have to get better at the game. But yeah, that was cool. I I wish you played a game though. I, <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I'm might get back to you on that okay okay yeah we'll build, have more, build uh, some more experience yeah we'll, we'll have another update maybe potentially in the future but i think for now that's it for our episode thanks for listening uh don't forget to like comment subscribe on whatever uh podcast platform you're on right now rate us on that podcast platform And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good uh, rest of your week.